If you want to feel like you're just not doing enough, <laughs> talk to my next guest, Joy Haynes. She's an actor. She's an immigration attorney. Now she's a filmmaker. And she joined forces with her sister, Ellie Walton, to take on the world of the criminally insane by engaging them in this really cool um, art therapy project. Hi, Joy. Hi, Connie. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about this project. I think it's so cool that you did this. And it's sort of right in alignment with my podcast, Happy Healthy You, because we talk about people who are following their bliss, which you obviously are, but also giving back to the community. And what you've done at St. Elizabeth's Hospital by going in there and, I mean, taking on this project is just phenomenal. And I'm so excited for you and for everybody who's involved in the project. Talk about the project, what it is, what it was all about, the Video Diary Project, and how you came to start this great endeavor. Yeah, so just to give a little bit of background and context of how we got to where we are now, um, in um, the summer of 2010, I was taking a class at Landmark Education where we were required to do a project. And so I have to give credit where credit is due and that, that helped me help provide the structure to begin with. But um, I had had a, a percolating idea leading up to that. And um, it all started when I watched a very short documentary on WHUT, which is you know DC's public access television channel. That was about the arts program at St. Elizabeth's Hospital, which is Washington, D.C.'s public psychiatric hospital. There's a combination of civilly committed and criminally committed individuals in care there. Um, I was fascinated by the art that I saw, and I reached out to uh, this woman, Maureen Jasmick, who is the director of community outreach and volunteer services, asking her whether the artwork was available to view in person and whether it was for sale. And um, she invited me over to the hospital, which is in, um, uh, in Southeast, in Anacostia, Washington, D.C. I grew up in Washington, D.C., lived here almost my whole life, um, had never been over there before, jumped at the opportunity to go to the campus and spent a couple hours over there looking through the artwork that was made by the individuals in care. Um, And I ended up buying a piece of art. So I gave a thank you note with money and I gave it to Maureen and she gave it to the artist. And I really just thought that was the end of it. Uh, She did ask me if I felt like volunteering, maybe teaching an acting class or something like that. Um, I was taking it under consideration, but not really taking it seriously. And she actually reached out to me a couple of weeks later and told me that the thank you note that I had written to this individual was in tatters because he carried it around with him everywhere he went. And he would like to know, when is the next time I want to buy a piece of his art? How and, cool um, is that? that <laughs> it is was so... great. That was a real epiphany moment for me sure. because, you know, it was really nothing. I hadn't thought twice about it and had no idea that it would have such an impact on this person who had been committed to a mental institution and um, by this, this un, unthinking act on my part provided an opportunity for him to view himself as an artist uh, first and maybe a mental patient second. And not only that, 
but it gave him the confidence enough to reach out and ask me to buy more of his art, which I thought was just fabulous. So that was the genesis of how we ultimately came up with the goal for this project. So once that happened, Maureen and I started brainstorming and we came up with the idea of doing some video work. And um, we started this idea of the Video Diary Project. And the goal of this project as art therapy was to inspire confidence through art and introspection. And that came from my experience with Herb's reaction to my buying his piece of art. And that was in May 2010. And here we are in February 2014. And who would have known that, you know, this many years later... Well, let's just talk about St. Elizabeth's Hospital because that that is not a project for the faint of heart. You are obviously a badass because that's, I mean, one of the most famous patients was John Hinckley, the guy who tried to kill uh, Ronald Reagan, right? I mean, they don't have just anybody in this hospital. These are, it's not easy to to be uh, considered criminally insane, right? Oh, I mean, they well, that is very true. In fact, it's a lot harder than one might think. Right, right. Um, and and actually, John Hinckley's case was the turning point in that. It used to be easier, and then when he did that, um, there was a backlash of sorts. And now it's almost virtually impossible. Um, you definitely have to uber qualify. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you, to be perfectly frank, as, as naive as I was then, um, I, I, I had no idea what I was getting myself involved <laughs> in. I didn't even know at the time that there were criminally committed people there. Or, I mean, I guess I did, but I didn't think that they would actually be part of my project. I thought it was a very separated facility. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's quite combined. Um, this, the civilly committed and criminally committed folks are on the same units. And in fact, there's even co-ed units. It's a very, um, they're all within one building now. So um, it's a therapeutic environment. And so they, uh, I think that's part of the reason why it's combined. Um, But so when we first started, basically we asked for volunteers. So anybody who volunteered also had to be competent to consent because they were going to have to sign a contract that said it was okay for us to film them and create this video diary that was ultimately going to be screened to the public. So honestly, five people volunteered that qualified and five people became part of our project. Uh, It was, I guess, a coincidence that all five of those had committed crimes were now not guilty by reason of insanity and were forensic patients. Um, and I had to deal with that in my own, with my own emotions. Right. When that happened. I wasn't planning for that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Because you had to actually go in there and, and interface with these people and teach them how to use the equipment. Let's just go back a second and talk about how you and your you brought your sister Ellie in, who's a, who's a film producer, correct? Well, she is a documentary, documentary. filmmaker, um, has her master's degree in documentary filmmaking, and she's a shooter, director, editor, producer, teacher, you name it. And how did you two come up with the idea for putting cameras and sound equipment into the hands of these um, inmates or patients? I guess they call them and. And that, how did that become your art therapy project over something else? 
potentially? Well, like I said, Maureen had suggested maybe teaching an acting class or improv or something like that. That didn't quite sit right with me. She brought up a video idea that was much more intriguing. Um, and Ellie has made a career out of doing collaborative filmmaking. So she already did that and continues to do that. And so it, it, um, and also because of the goal of the project, it made sense to do something where the individuals in care had as much control as possible over the process and the outcome. And that's how we got there. So, so you guys raised some funds and you got some equipment together. You went into this facility and basically trained them to use the, the cameras and the sound equipment. And then talk about how you coached them. Um, because what they, what was on camera was just, it was amazing. I mean, the way it gives you a real feel for what their lives are like and what their thought process processes on a day-to-day basis are like, and it's just amazing. Like how did, how did the whole coaching process with the, these patients go? Yeah, well, we did Kickstarter before Kickstarter was cool. If I had known better, I think we could have raised a lot more money. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we raised money. We bought some like basically kind of little flip cams, um, tripods, and some sound equipment, you know, lavalier mics. Went in there, and we taught them filmmaking techniques, storytelling techniques, interviewing techniques. We taught them the, the basics on how to use a camera, how to, you know, set up a, the, the rule of thirds when you're setting up a shot, how to hook up the lab mic, all of this like basic um, technical stuff too, uh, as well as, you know, how to, how to tell a story, how to ask questions um, in a logical way. And they just, they really took to it. Uh, it was a really fun thing for them because you have to imagine they've been there for so long. They're so accustomed to having everyone ask them questions right. where they have, they're the ones being analyzed all the time. And all of a sudden they get to turn the tables from being the examined to the examiner and they get to tell the story from their perspective and not have it translated through the voice of, you know, the social worker, the doctor, the volunteer, whatever it is, um, and um, ex- express the story they want to tell. And that, and that said, we didn't tell them what they had to say, what they couldn't say. You know, they shared whatever they wanted to share. They would bring the camera back into their room. they show us where they spent their time, how they washed their clothes, what they ate for lunch, uh, really basic things. But honestly, uh, as far as I know, this is really the first time anything like that's ever happened because um, you know, cameras are not permitted. Right. That's the other thing. Hospital. How did you get permission to, to bring the cameras in? Well, I'll tell you, that was really an organic process as well. Um, I think, you know, if I come up with this idea all in advance and done it like a regular producer and gone and knocked on the door of St. Elizabeth and said, yeah. hey, I want to make a movie, they would have said, beat it. But because it happened in this organic way and we came in as volunteers and also Dr. Patrick Canavan, who's the CEO of the hospital, is a real supporter of the arts. He's very progressive and um, he was brave enough to take mm-hmm. a chance on a project like this, frankly, that uh, I think in the end is has you know, done really nothing but good uh, for the hospital. And I think also because we have always stuck to the goal of the project, it's our true north. You know, whenever 
there's a question about which direction to go, we'd say, well, what will serve to inspire confidence through art and introspection? And that's what really matters. And I think that's why the film feels so intimate and true and it's and non-exploitive. Right. You see these guys as they are, and it's not like some CNBC lockup. Yeah. You know, where you're seeing an inmate that's, you know, that's just trying to, like, uh, exploit the criminal aspect of it. Yes, they've committed crimes. Yes, they were horrible. There were sex crimes. There were crimes against women. There was murder. Um, do I think that's okay? No, I don't. Do they think it's okay? No, they don't. There's a lot of remorse there. Yeah. Um, yeah. These guys were legitimately not sane at the time it happened, and... You know, this is decades later, one guy who participated was committed in 1956. Now, that's a long time that, that he's is, been there. That is such a long time. Yeah, I love the way this really humanizes. I mean, because our society tends to want to shove people aside. And, and I was reading some of the uh, comments on the CNN article that uh, uh-huh. someone wrote. And there's a lot of, uh, yeah... There's a, a lot of strong opinion about this. Well, you know what I say about reading the comments yeah. uh, online? It's the intellectual equivalent of licking a dirty doorknob. Well, yeah. Don't feed them. <laughs> these are the people that, that have the time to uh, sit there and, and do this kind of stuff. But I do think that it's it's obviously a subject that needs to be brought to light. And you've done such a beautiful job of it. If people want more information about this project, uh, to maybe get involved as a volunteer or to help publicize the documentary you're working on, possibly. Um, how can they find more information about it? Well, we have a website. The name of our film is called Voices from Within. Yeah, and so the website is www.voices-from-within.com. And there's the trailer online. There's a little bit about each one of the individuals in care who participated. There's contact information there. So you can get more information online, as well as links to some of the press that we've already received. I just want to say, you really seem to have a heart for the underdog. I mean, I know a little bit about you. And is there is there anything else out there that you care about that you might like to tackle besides dispelling uh, myths about mental illness? Oh my gosh. Well, I had a fabulous idea for my next video diary project documentary. A uh, little did I know this one would take me four years. <laughs> yeah. Not sure I'll ever get around to it. Um, but yeah, I've got, I've got my next idea sitting up on the shelf waiting to be taken down. Well, I'm looking forward to the documentary because I took a peek at it and it's really beautifully shot and it includes a lot of the video diaries that the, the patients did themselves. So when is that going to come out? When can we look for that? Oh, well. Video, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah. The Video Diary Project uh, was completed in January 2011. It is, uh, and that is actually available. It's for sale. Um, it has, it's five 10-minute standalone video diary entries of each of the participants. That film has, is, has been purchased by well, a lot of individuals, but also a lot of other mental hospitals, prison systems, law schools, uh, mental health facilities, social work programs, you name it, using it as part of their curriculum and training programs. 
Hmm. So um, that is out there and available. The documentary, which combines those video diaries into an interwoven story where we focus on a few themes, is in its final stages now. We actually are we doing have done some screenings recently um, with our with our rough cut. So we are fine tuning it and hope to be done with it by the end of this spring, beginning of the summer. That's the plan. All right. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I interviewed a guy, Hawa Evers. Uh, um, he, the Fly by Light doctor. Fly by Light, right. Well, and that's, Ellie, that's Ellie Walton. That's my sister. She did that. Oh, my gosh. We're so connected. Yeah. Okay. So you, she's prolific. So I loved what Hawa and Ellie did with that film. And I want, they let people show um, privately in their homes. And that's, that's one of the things I plan to do as soon as I finish my basement so I can have a place to do it. But I think that's a really great idea just to take the, the documentary around or even the films around and let, let people well, really yeah, see I mean, Like what... I was saying before, we um, have done, I'm now set to go pretty much on a monthly basis to the um, police training institute um, to help to, as part of their mental health training when they're dealing with the general public that have mental health issues. Um, I'm also set to go this spring to the D.C. Superior Court to about 100 stakeholders, judges, prosecutors, defense attorneys, law clerks to show the documentary. Um, so there's, you know, there's a huge educational aspect to this yes, outreach. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, there's probably not enough hours in a day for you. So I, no. I guess I better let you go. <laughs> Thank you, Joy Haynes. For more information, go to the, you want to give the website one more time? so www.voices-from-within.com. Thank you. Okay. Well, I hope to see you on the set sometime soon. Thanks. Me too. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye.